No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Aloha Protein Powder. Get through the cold winter months with a rush of pure, energizing, plant-based protein. Try our favorite, the Vanilla Blend, for 18 grams of protein built with the very best ingredients. Enter Aloha20 at aloha.com to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through February 2016. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Welcome to episode 124 of No Meat Athlete Radio. I am Matt Frazier, joined by faithful co-host Doug Hay, and we're broadcasting live on Periscope as we always do. So if you're listening to this via iTunes or the normal podcast channel and you'd like to watch us live as we record these episodes, follow No Meat Athlete on Twitter. That's at No Meat Athlete, no spaces or anything like that, and you will get the announcements when we do these things live. Is yeah. that how that all works there, Doug? That's how it that's how it works. We may even start like promoting them a little bit ahead of time, but Yes. Not right good. now. Well right now we're just doing we're it live, so we're just uh making anyone who is on Twitter constantly updating their feed looking for no meat athlete tweets is uh are the lucky winners. They're the ones who, who get to watch. Very lucky winners. <laughs> Alright, so we're talking today about data. Which it's kind of prompted by a, a personal experience that I had with uh, data. Recently got my blood work, not recently, now it was last spring, uh, through with a company called Inside Tracker, who is one of these new, there are several of them, new companies that give you, you go to any kind of uh, you know blood draw center, lab, quest diagnostics, those types of things, like, like your doctor often sends you. Uh, you get your blood drawn. When I went, it took a really long time to get my blood drawn. It was it was a lot of blood that went into this thing. More, much more than I lost during the great thumb chopping off incident. <laughs> way more blood was lost during this, this really? blood draw. Yeah, way more. A lot. I they just kept filling up vials and changing. How it. many vials? Five, six. I don't know. What? I was I was there for at least two minutes. It felt like with my arm, and I was just like, "When's she gonna stop?" Wow. Uh, but didn't feel any any effects or anything afterwards, which I, I kind of expected that I might. But then they send that off, and then like two weeks later, not very long, maybe it was one week later, uh, send you back this report with just tons of information about your health, all different markers and levels, and then you can log into the website, you can you get all your results, you get their recommendations, and kind of they, they show you where you are relative to what they call your optimized zone, which I guess takes into account different things about your, your gender, your weight, your activity level, all that stuff. Um, and then what's cool is they can provide you with with steps to do to improve things. And so I entered when I started mine that I was ate a vegan diet. So like the, the foods that they suggest to me aren't, they're not saying, you know, eat a steak to improve your iron level or whatever. Right. Um, which I, I appreciate that. I like that. I, I was kind of concerned that it was going to be, I'll tell them I'm vegan and then all the recommendations are going to be, well, you need to get more protein from lean chicken breast or all this stuff. So it wasn't like that at all, which is really cool. Um, by the way, this episode is not sponsored by Inside Tracker or anything like that. I'm using the example uh, and it didn't go terribly well, as, as you'll hear in a minute, so it, it wouldn't be sponsored by them. Um, but anyway, what prompted this was my, my iron levels came back really high, which uh, was scary to me. First of all, being a vegan or vegetarian, you would expect to have, if, if you're going to have less than optimal iron levels, you would expect that they would actually be less, that you would have low iron levels, uh, just because that is a common thing. If you're not eating a good, you know, whole food diet, maybe we eat tons of beans and nuts. So I honestly did not think that would be an issue. Turned out I had really high iron and I looked things up. Someone emailed actually a podcast listener when I mentioned this a couple months ago on the podcast and said, 
it sounds like you might have this thing called hemochromatosis, which is where your body, I guess, fails to properly get rid of iron and just accumulates in your blood. Hmm. So anyway, talk to Sid Garza-Hillman, nutritionist, same thing. He said, really, that's what you should be concerned about. Um, so it came back. So that's what prompted this episode. We want to talk about that. Uh, I'll, I'll finish that whole story in a minute, but we're going to talk a little bit more about data in other places too, because it's definitely like kind of infiltrating the running world and the fitness world as well. This this preponderance of data, it's everywhere, and uh, it seems to be only increasing. As you know, with the the iPhone, what's Apple Watch? Is that what it's called? Apple Watch, yeah, or iWatch? Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We don't have one. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's and, everywhere, and, and it's cool. And like your, like your this Fitbit is... and yeah, um, everything. Everything has now these data trackers that. Uh, fitness data trackers that are doing everything. Yes, and it's fascinating. Some of the stuff you can find out about your body from those. So this is not an anti-data episode. I think people might maybe expect that from me, given that I'm like you know resisting getting a smartphone and all that. Uh, I'm not by any means anti-data. I think it's a really cool thing. I think there are some benefits to not having all that stuff with you and right. not not knowing that much about, as we'll talk about, your health. Uh, in, in my case in particular, kind of being prone to anxieties about health. I think it's a really good thing for me to not have too much information. Uh, and the internet doesn't help with that, right? Because I can now access all this information, and this is not a, a new story for people. But like, when someone finds out that something's wrong or suspects something's wrong, the first thing they do is go Google those symptoms. And then your brain, of course, link, latches on to the, the ones that are really bad. And you start thinking this worst-case scenarios. And you spend, at least I spend, hours on the internet trying to get answers to things. And it just goes down a, a very bad rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, you, you know my poison ivy story. I thought they were going to have to amputate. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be called castrating at that point? Or is there some <laughs> other name? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, that WebMD is a scary place. <laughs> it is. So that's what we're talking about today. Uh, and I honestly don't know that either of I mean, I guess we'll find out. But I don't know that either of, either of us has a really strong stance about this. But I'm looking forward to just exploring it because I'm trying to figure it out for myself how much is too much when it comes to this data. Um, so anyway, to continue my story, just what motivated this episode for me was that Inside Tracker, it turns out, once I got this information, I was seeing it, and I was like, okay, that's a little bit weird. I should take some of these recommendations, perhaps, uh, about the iron. And a few other things were less than optimal, but iron was the one that was scarily not optimal. Uh, and I, I started researching stuff. Actually, I didn't start researching stuff until, I didn't take it seriously until I got an email from Inside Tracker, basically saying... Um, we have, I don't want to say the wrong thing here, so take this with a grain of salt, but basically that our experts look at all these results, everybody's results. They glance at them at least. And we're not in the business of being doctors, but here are the four things that we think you should go tell your doctor about because they could be potential health concerns. So when I got that, I was like, damn it. Like now I have to actually do something about this. Like, like, <laughs> like why did I say yes? I just wish I didn't know this information. Um, right. At the same time, there, an argument for, can be made for, like, that could hey, potentially be a lifesaver or something. If it was an issue, then, yeah, you would yeah, want to know it, right? right? It could be yeah. a lifesaver. So mm-hmm. that is a struggle that maybe people like me who have this kind of health anxiety issues uh, deal with more than others, that, that kind of conflict of, like, how of, is, is getting a lot of information a bad thing if you think a lot of it's going to end up being false alarms. So anyway, uh, so I started doing research, talked to some people, Sid Garza-Hillman and others said this iron thing actually is a serious thing. Like, you need to actually figure that out. I started researching it. Turns out if you have this hemochromatosis thing, you basically have a 5% chance of getting uh, liver cancer, hmm. which is pretty high, right? I mean, no cancer's 
no, no cancers have a 5% chance right. of contraction by themselves, I don't think. Uh, so for someone like me, that was just terrible. I was just thinking that was an awful news. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Might as well be dead now, right? <laughs> right. So, I, I, but for, by the way, background info. There's a post on No <laughs> Athlete called On Turning Pro, and we talked about the book Turning Pro last episode, yep. uh-huh. or two episodes ago, um, where that that was me coming out of an extended, like, I don't know, six-month period of health anxiety, where really it was, like, debilitating for me. I, I couldn't think about anything other than my health turned out nothing was wrong with me but just symptoms i was having and i i was concerned that they were really serious things and it was really the first time in my life that i'd ever battled anything like that or or got to the point where you know i just was was ineffective at everything it was all i could think about i would just sit on the couch all day long and just you know stew and worry um so i i think i guess in hindsight now i wish i would have considered that and that i'm sort of susceptible to this sort of thing before I had agreed to do this other thing. <laughs> uh, so what what happened was I ended up going to a doctor about it, uh, yearly physical, did that, told her about the iron thing. She wasn't concerned about this, all the other things that I mentioned uh, that they had said, you should talk to a doctor about these. Uh, no concerns about those, but the iron one, she said that really is a, a thing and we need to do it. So I did blood testing. Turned out that my iron level on the second test was completely, totally normal. So they just retested your blood just like before. Just, yep. But... Use their own labs. Yeah, and it wasn't that the labs got it wrong. I don't think that was the case at all. Um, as it turned out, it wasn't just one marker for iron. It was two or three different markers that Inside Tracker measures that were very high. So, so it was clearly there was something going on. Uh, what I suspect it was, and I don't know for sure what it was, but your iron levels don't fluctuate like that. Like your body accumulates iron. If it's not disposing of it, then you're not going to see massive fluctuations. You're going to see, you know, maybe a, a increase over time, steady but slow. Um, However, so Inside Tracker told me fast, I think for 12 hours before the test, uh, which I did. To fast, to, to not eat or drink? Not eat or drink anything. I, mean, yeah. I think you could drink water. Okay. Uh, and I did that, and it was fine. But during this, this frenzied, panicked kind of research that I was doing in, my, in all of my health anxiety glory, I stumbled upon the CDC's website that said high, level, high levels of vitamin C can potentially give back wrong iron results of all kinds. Um, and they say avoid any sorts of foods that are high in vitamin C, like fruits, for 24 hours before an iron test. As it turns out, when I actually did this blood test, <laughs> and I suspect maybe this is the reason for some of the other things being off as well, I was in like fruitarian mode, and I was eating <laughs> nothing but fruits and high vitamin C foods. Uh, so I, I think that very day I had probably had a watermelon before the test. Or sorry, sorry, not that very day. The day before, uh-huh. the twelve hours before. Previously, I had had watermelon, had had a cantaloupe, strawberries, bananas. I'm just that was my diet right. for like a three week period. I was testing it, feeling great. I was running again. All the stuff was going great. Um, but I suspect that that's what it was. So when when you got the results back the first time, did you not happen to think that maybe it was the fruitarian diet that I, was throwing things off? In a way, I thought, okay, I think I'm a little bit healthier than this shows, and I kind of knew that then. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought that that could probably be affecting things. Whether it makes me healthier or or less healthy, I don't know. But I think I'm not eating my typical diet right now, so this probably isn't the best picture of my health, whether it's right. good or bad. Right. Uh, it did not occur to me that. A, a fruit diet, fruit because they're not particularly high in iron. I don't think they have almost any iron in a lot of them. Oh yeah, um, that that would elevate iron levels, hmm. but it's it's because vitamin C interacts in some weird way. I don't know. So anyway, th- that all got me thinking. It just it just it made me 
first of all, I had to pay for this this uh, test, this this blood work. I had to pay, I don't know, 40, 60 bucks for that. So that was, that was kind of... No, no, that was free. Oh, okay. But oh, it ended oh, up causing me to have to pay because, right, it, right, yeah, right. because, it, yep. because it caused me this. By the way, speaking of medical bills, <laughs> the thumb thing, I got the bill for that. Uh-huh. Emergency room, $1,866. Dang. For stitches in my thumb. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we've set up a little charity fund for Nomi Athlete Radio. <laughs> yeah, I love GoFundMe, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But anyway, the $60 that I had to spend to get the blood drawn and tested again later at the doctor's was very minor compared to the stress that I went through. And, and this was a, a relatively minor bout of health anxiety for me, but it was one. It was a few days in my life where I couldn't, I just kept going back to this thing, thinking, man, do I have this thing really wrong with me? And I, I should have considered it before I did this thing, but... I don't know. I, the The email that, that they sent that said, here are the things you need to now go discuss with your doctor, I was just unprepared for that. And like, I, I don't know what I wish. I don't know which, what I wish would have been done differently. But I would, to to someone who who, who recognizes that they themselves are, are kind of subject to health anxiety, I would not recommend you do something like this. Just because you're <laughs> going to get back this thing and then and you've got stuff to worry about then. So I think it's better not to know that kind of information, I don't know. I would say stick to the stick to the doctors and, and the tests that they prescribe, and let your doctor decide if you need to be doing any kind of testing or screenings for things. And if you do, then by all means do it. To, to go off on your own and try to try to get this information, I think that's that's kind of information in the hands of someone who doesn't know really what to do with it or right. how to react to it. Right. Uh, and I don't think that's a good thing. So anyway, well, well, it, I mean, I think what what it seems to me like the the what 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 you did wrong there, I guess, is um, because it wasn't done by a doctor and even though they told you to fast for 12 hours, they should have told you to fast for 24 hours or, or you know, not have high vitamin C right. stuff for 24 hours. But, they, right? but see, the, this test tested for 24 different markers. So what if each one of those has, don't do this special mm. thing for 24 hours? Then then you're, you know, fasting for 24 hours, basically. Right. And then maybe that's changing. So I, I think they can't control for all this stuff. And that's why I think, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just you're going to be doing something that's probably not ideal for right. one of these. And then if you're someone who's subject to health anxiety, then that one's going to be weird. And then mm-hmm. you're going to have a weird. So I'm not trying to kill Inside Tracker here or say that they did anything wrong with this. Uh, and and if you're someone who, you know, doesn't get really scared when you think something is wrong with you, right. and and plenty of people just kind of brush it off and can just. Be, and I think that's that's why I write a website about health because I have an oddly obsessive way about you know, to making sure that I am healthy. Um, but to someone who, who can kind of shake that off easily or, or maybe just keep a level head about it, it's great. I mean, it was cool. The amount of data you have there is really neat. I couldn't believe how much they were telling me uh, and how much you can do that, you know, going around your doctor. You don't need a doctor for that kind of stuff now. You can just get that data, which is really cool. Yeah. But that's kind of what, we, what we're talking about today. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? So let's let's just shift that. I guess we can kind of come back and make some generalizations. But um, this the same thing's happening in running, right? Sure. To give one example, it's also happening in general fitness everywhere. Um, but you you've seen this kind of thing with with clients and other stuff, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, GPS watches and heart rate monitors and are you know the prices have gone down so much that just about anyone who's serious about running can have one, and if not, then they're then they're doing that with on their phone directly on their phone. Um, you know, and then everyone is plugging into things like Strava and that's putting out all this data of, of splits. And if you have the heart rate monitor, it has all that and you can track 
you know, if you've run a route twice, you can see exactly how you compared on all these different things. And it just is giving you all this data against other people and against yourself that most of us have never had before. Even if you kept a good training log, um, you know, to have that kind of breakdown done for you right in front of you is most of us have never really had that before. And I think it's, uh, it's in some ways it's really cool. It's really awesome to be able to see that. Um, you know, but I, a good example is is somebody that I worked with. Um, one of my coaching clients had noticed that he is slower. He was slower this month uh, on all of his routes than he was the last month. But we had totally shifted the way he was training, and we had totally changed all these different things about um, about what he was doing. And and so of course he's going to have a different reaction to that. And so to have that data, you know, and then all of a sudden get really discouraged and and begin kind of panicking like why am I getting slower you know there's a lot of reasons that that you could be getting slower and the data doesn't show you those reasons it just shows you the result and so right. in some ways it's good to have that data because then you can see it and you can become aware of things like you what you were saying if if you really were high in iron then that's a good good thing to have but out of context um, it can it can just be really discouraging and, and not be a good thing yeah which which a very similar much older problem is is when someone's trying to lose weight a lot of times they'll tell you don't weigh yourself every single day weigh yourself every week right. or every month exactly and, yeah. and you get you, the noise gets leveled out and you see a, a downward mm-hmm. trend hopefully uh but if you're checking every day then then you don't and some days it looks like you're higher and you think now you panic because everything's going wrong and that adds stress which just makes it harder to stay on your program so not a new problem, but but new in in the sense of just how much data there now is. Uh, I think another problem is this is kind of a, really a different problem is that a lot of people, aside from getting stuff and misinterpreting it or or using it like like your client and thinking something's wrong when in fact it's not, uh, is that people get tons and tons of data but don't really even know where to begin using it. Right, right. Like we can just get overloaded in heart rates and I mean VO two max. I mean all kinds of running things indicators right but what does it all mean and we don't know what to do, right we don't know what to do with it because we don't you can compare to standards and to averages but right. for your particular body it's kind of it's very hard to know what uh you know what what those ideals are yeah and you know and i think that that is really the heart of what uh the problem is with this over data collection that we're going through you know that that 10,000 steps a day thing that you know everyone who's wearing a fitbit and all those types of things someone said you should have 10,000 steps a day Right. Uh, and now everyone is trying to hit their 10,000 steps. But, you know, like everyone can be put in the exact same little box, you know. Right. And I'm not saying 10,000 is bad or it's too much or too little. But, you know, it's just it, it, people are generalizing their data so much. And same with heart rate zones of, you know, this is where I need to be, but everybody's different. And I don't know. I think that's the biggest problem with, with this uh, data collection. Yeah. So. I, I think we're only at the very beginning of this, like we are with a lot of technology, right? I mean, I think the technology itself, not just the data collection ability, but is getting the, the technology is getting better at at giving us advice. I would imagine. Right. Uh, soon, the stuff's going to be in in our bloodstream, right? These little chips, and, and they'll be mm-hmm. in our body instead of outside of our body. And maybe in that case, you you can still. It's going to be based on formulas and and algorithms and things, but but you can probably get much closer to. A true ideal for yourself so maybe maybe someone can get a different you know individualized custom steps goal that is 9278 per day <laughs> and maybe it varies day to day because of what you did yesterday or what right. the weather's like or what your mood is like so the stuff's going to get smarter and smarter um what i wonder doug is what what happens when it gets really as smart as it can get and we kind of hit a plateau in how smart it is 
and and it is telling you every day based on what you did yesterday and based on your mood and all these other hormone levels and whatever else in you it is giving you what it believes to be here's what you should do today what do you think then about obeying that information and living your life in that way where you are now and someone who's disciplined and does it is now just following around what this thing in your in your body tells you to do. Because I saw, there was really, I don't yeah. remember the name of the company, but there was a kitchen appliance company that was going to start linking up with your smart data oh, yeah. and making you the smoothie that you needed after your run mm-hmm. based on how much you burn. So now you're you're just, you're not even thinking for yourself anymore, first of all. You're not listening to how you feel, and maybe they could start to account for that too. <laughs> but it's just, it's like, can can we be controlled? Is any machine ever, no matter how smart it gets, going to produce any sort of real health in in us more than someone who's kind of mindfully doing what they think is a best practice. Right. Uh, I think there are two, two, I have two opinions. About okay. Good. Two things, All two right. points here. Uh, the first is that, you know, no matter how smart the data is, at some point you've got to listen to your body, right? And what your body is, is telling you. So <laughs> maybe, I don't maybe, know. maybe I can't, not. I can't give you, you know, that. Maybe I not. I don't know. Okay. But, um, you know, maybe you're, the data is telling you that you should be running this many miles and, and running in this heart rate zone, uh, but it's just not, your body's just not reacting well to it, and, and your watch has no way to feel that. And maybe at some point it will be able to, to decipher that. But, you know, I, I, I think that running by feel and running, uh, listening to how your legs feel and how your head feels, and uh, I think just that that's really an important part of, of being a runner. And so... Um, that's one problem with data, and that's one problem with too much data. The other part is that I think that if if something was telling me what to do all the time, what to eat, how many hours to sleep, how much to run, how far to walk, what pace I should be going in, it would just would be no fun at all. It would, right. it would take out all the spontaneity. It would take out all of the adventure and the excitement and everything, and you you would just be walking around a little zombie, you know, like a puppet. You're just like with all these electronics telling you what to do, and we're already so, right? You know, screened in that um, I just I I couldn't. So to couldn't to do extend that. that another hundred years in the future, it might be that it eventually says, well, we don't really need the body anymore. We can just keep your brain alive <laughs> in a vat and give you the right chemicals that makes you feel like you're happy. Yeah, and. It's the Matrix, right? So I mean, yeah. like, and, and that, that is the extreme version of what you just said, and I agree with that. Like, I think, aside from just the stress that gets created by following around a little robot inside your blood that's telling you what to do, right? Um, I think you just lose the happiness. I, th- I think we, I think we would find that our happiness levels plummet if we started doing that. If uh-huh. we were just directed, so I, I don't. There's no answer to this. Yeah. Um, I, I suspect that it could be a tremendous help to people who don't know anything about health and otherwise are going to just mm-hmm. you know do the complete wrong thing then then yeah maybe having that much information would help them out tremendously and right. and would add take away stress from their life because it truly does make them healthier and and that becomes a, a less of a stressor and something that can add to their happiness someone else who thinks about it all the time and you know knows a lot of the best practices and and follows them then maybe adding on that extra level of really you know super precision would would do more harm than than good in in terms of happiness levels and stress levels. Yeah, I, I somebody I run with regularly um, in town never uses a GPS. He never knows what time he left and know what knows what pace he did. And and 
he's not training for anything and he has no race goals or anything like that. He just is a good runner who loves playing in the mountains. And, um, and so, you know, we have different goals cause I, I am training for different races and I'm blogging about it and all this stuff. Uh, but every time we go for a run, I just, I look at how free he looks with no GPS, you know, <laughs> right. I'm, like, I'm like, man, this guy, you know, I just, I, that, that must feel so good. And, um, and so I, I think it's important and I do this and, and everyone should probably do this to disconnect a little bit and, and just, sure. um, have, have some fun with it and just kind of see where your legs take you and, and how fast they take you there. Um, but at the other side, you know, the flip side of that is that if you're stuck in a rut, sometimes data diving into the data can be a lot of fun totally and can be totally you know reinvigorating yep i've experienced that very thing where i can get you know super amped up about a race and decide i'm going to wear a heart heart monitor the whole training and i mean that's that's a very minor amount of data nowadays but get that information look at it for every run and look at where you were and look at what zones you were in and like that can can be the thing that makes running interesting again right the flip side is also true. You can you. I've also gone through periods where I've said I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop even wearing a watch on my runs. Uh, maybe stop the iPod. Maybe not. But like, just go out, focus on my breathing, or just not even that, and just go for a run. And it's hard for me to get through a run like that because I want more. I think mental stimulation. But when I've gotten used to it and gotten good at it and started running for time more than mileage, even, um, I, you know, it's a totally different type of running and, and it can be if you need if you kind of need some back and forth just to keep it interesting right. then that switch between lots of data and no data mm-hmm. might be just the sustainable thing you need to do is just every every six months totally switch your approach yeah and i think that that's a good uh approach to, to training in general is you know if you're if you're training for um a specific race to kind of really get into your training cycle and get into your training plan and your data and then take that break take those months or or weeks off uh, and kind of totally disconnect and run freely and by feel and, and everything like that. So it's a good way to kind of reset before each each race. Right. And I guess social media adds a whole other element here because now if it's not just that your data is collected, but now it's also going to be shared and you've got to right. know what everybody else thinks about your mile splits and your weight and who knows what else. Yeah. Uh, that's an entirely different problem. So this also brings up another thing with running. And this isn't so much about your health uh, this was, I think, an example I heard from Ultra when we were at Runner's World, the, their half in festival this past, what was mm-hmm. that, October, September? October. October. Yeah. Um, about a new thing they're developing, and I hope, I hope this isn't like a secret or something, I don't think it is, but an app that real-time gives you running feedback and, and might tell you, uh, just as an example, I don't, this is not a direct quote from what they said, but it might tell you uh, your heel striking now, and you need to adjust that. Yeah. So there's sensors in their shoes that are collecting this data, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it and it's integrated with the shoe. It connects to an iPhone or whatever else, mm-hmm. and real time. And and they were telling me the story of an ultra runner who had been fooling around with it. One of their sponsored athletes, I guess. And he was saying like, "Wow, like if I could, because of a form tweaks, become one percent more efficient as mm-hmm. a runner, then as a hundred mile athlete, as any athlete, but just I think for for someone who like us, it's easy to grasp what difference that would make over a hundred miler versus, you know, a 5k athlete, 1% doesn't seem like a big deal. I'm sure it is if you're competing in that. Right. Uh, but when you think about a hundred miles, 1%, I mean, that, that ends up being a lot of time. So I don't know, as they told me that I was kind of really interested in it. And then I thought more about it. I was like, wow, but that means people might be like adjusting their heel strike on the, during the stride. And that to me seems like something that would start to cause injury. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think I think they I think they've considered that already, and, and it's not the advice isn't going to be try to now land on your midfoot. 
Right. Instead, it would be something that starts more in the core and might say, make sure your cadence is where it should be. Because that's right. going to, I think, in a much more natural way, cause you to stop heel striking. Mm-hmm. Or quit leaning back. You know, yeah. Like, so, like, so these kind of like foundational form keys, rather than just like apply this Band-Aid to your problem. Right. More like, let's get you right from the core. Um, and I think that could be really good. It, it's My guess is these first iterations are going to be clunky like they are of everything else. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the first, it, and then it improves and then it gets really cool. So I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't. It it's kind of goes against my recently more holistic approach to just most things, where it's like listen to your body, do mm-hmm. these things, and if you try to make too many changes, like live running advice to change, I don't know. Other, other than doing that once every few months and like kind of checking in again, I can't imagine it doing too much good for runners and and potentially doing some bad. But you know they're smart; they're going to figure out if that's happening and they'll adjust <laughs> it. So right. um, yeah, not, you know. But but going back to you know, to at some point that technology could be a live running coach in your head at all times, which would be pretty yeah, right, effective, like, right? Because right? Right. <laughs> if you could actually run with a running coach, right. a few people would say that that's going to be something that harms your form over time. Right. Now, it might be something that takes away from the joy of running for you over time. Sure. Right? So yeah. so that we still got that problem. <laughs> Someone's already, always like chirping in your ear that, uh, that you know, that you got to stand up straight and you got to run faster and harder. Like uh, <laughs> right, like a drill sergeant behind you. Well, drill sergeant, yeah, yeah. So, I don't think I'd like that very much, but <laughs> no. But but of course, you can turn it on and off when you want, and and that yeah. one day a week or one day a month, you can turn it on and get the coaching you need, and that could turn out to be really well. So maybe that's the answer to this data. I think we've solved the data problem. Perfect. Well, Excellent. once a month, once a week, we need all this data. <laughs> then go by your gut based on what you've learned, mm-hmm. which is not entirely different from a strategy I've given people before where they want to know about protein and nutrition. And they say, well, do you count calories? Do you see how much carbohydrate, fat, and protein you're getting? Or anything else. The advice I always give is like take three or four days, a, a good sample that kind of represents a typical set of days in your life, and actually measure every calorie you eat. R- figure out exactly what you eat. Log it all. It's annoying. You have to do it. It takes work. Figure out exactly what you eat. Do whatever analysis it takes then, how much carbohydrate, how much fat. Take it to a nutritionist if you want. And particularly people ask us about protein all the time. And I say, like, so I find out that that day I ate 12% protein or 14% protein. So then going forward, all I need to know is eat sort of like you did that day, and you're going to be in the range of protein that you need. Mm-hmm. So I think that that advice here now could maybe generalize to data in general, right? Do it for a few days. Get the data. See where you are. But then you don't need it real time all the time on you telling you exactly what to do. Right. You know, the only counterpoint to that i think no is, there can be none in there's, there's, <laughs> there's always a counterpoint with with you Matt. Uh, no. um it, you know obviously the more data you have the better the you know the better advice you can give right like right you can get so so if you had something that was tracking your calories every day all day every day you know then you wouldn't be on your data on your calorie tracker day, slightly adjusting, you know, making small things because you knew that you happened to be tracking true. it that day. That is true. So, but we think maybe those those small variations and that freedom is what is what keeps you happy and not stressed. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, not saying you should do no, that at all, you know, because I don't, I don't think you should. I think that would drive me absolutely bonkers. But um, yeah, yeah, that would drive you bonkers. I think. <laughs> But so, so on that note, maybe we should thank our sponsors here. Let's do it. Let's thank Aloha really quickly, mm-hmm. who provided this protein powder for us to drink during our episodes. And otherwise, I've been drinking. I've been still trying to put on weight and put on muscle. I've been going to the gym a lot, uh, and I have been have been enjoying Aloha protein powder. 
This episode is brought to you by Aloha. The cold winter months have arrived. Keep them outpaced with 18 energizing, muscle-building grams of plant-based protein. Aloha Protein Powder is filled with the very best whole food ingredients like organic peas, hemp, and pumpkin seeds that keep you going all season long. And one thing that makes Aloha Powder so special is that they're sweetened with natural ingredients like apple juice instead of artificial sweeteners. For an extra boost of whole food, whole body, healthy energy, add Aloha Daily Good Greens to the mix. Just choose one of their three delicious blends. They have chocolate, berry, or original, and pour it into your favorite water, juice, smoothie, or dressing. You'll get a full serving of fruit and veggie goodness for natural energy. Visit aloha.com and enter promo code ALOHA20 to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through February 29th, 2016. It's a leap year, Doug. You know that? I did. Your Instagram thing started out saying run number four of 365, and then I one know, day I had Aaron this... noticed it changed. <laughs> yeah. did, did a little birdie so, tell you that it yeah, was? Yeah, a little birdie said that <laughs> there were 366 years. <laughs> yeah, that I found I got a good chuckle out of that. <laughs> so, well, so um, I'm, I'm taking one, I'm posting one photo on Instagram every day this year. Does that mean you're doing a run streak this year? No, it's a photo oh, streak. Oh, just anything. It's just Instagram photo streak. streak. Um, and uh, and that's what it is. So I'm, I'm numbering them all. Okay. Where can people get that? That uh, Instagram at Rock Creek Runner. Okay. There and, you, you know, this has been a surprisingly difficult thing because to get an in- in- an interesting Instagram photo. Oh, they've got to be interesting? Well, they, like, they can't be the same thing every day, right, you know, because right. I want to have 366 unique photos. Gotcha. Anyway. Okay. Interesting. A good little photo essay sort of thing for you there. You know, I it's something that I have a little confession uh, going back to the data. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not someone who tweets about every run, even though I post a photo. Okay. But I'm you not, do post like, selfies so, every run. I, <laughs> not posting, a uh, like, my distance and time splits and all that kind of thing. But I do, I am posting everything to Strava now. And part of that is for accountability and part of that is uh, for data collection and everything like that. Um and of course, there is some social side of that as well. But so uh, at the beginning of the year, I joined a gym. Nice. And uh, we've talked about this. But one of my New Year's resolutions was to uh, become a better all-around athlete. I've been doing a lot of swimming, doing a lot of lax, lap swimming. And I have no way to collect that data. <laughs> <laughs> no? And it's like it kind of is bugging or, you know, bumming me out a little bit because... I've been going two or three times a week, and it looks like I'm not doing anything, but, you know, I'm actually working really hard. And well, It looks like that to who? The people who are watching you on social media? Well, and to yeah. myself. You know, like, it, there's just all these gaps in my in my training logs, and I can write swim there and yeah. the time, you know, but it just feels like, it feels a little different to me. <laughs> okay. See, I think that's a problem with the data. I know. Right? I, I, that, I think that so, That wouldn't too. have it's happened like 20 a... years ago. You wouldn't oh, have cared. Just, your no. friend would have said swim, and you would have been happy with that. Data. No, that, that's why it's a confession, because I'm embarrassed to admit, gotcha. admit that yeah. that's, uh, that's the case. Yeah, and I see. I think that would be the case for me, too, if, if I were collecting data and, and doing that. Totally. <laughs> if I were you, and, and doing <laughs> whatever it is you do, then I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can see how that'd be a problem, and, and I think that that kind of speaks to what we were talking about—that that, that it, it is it's changing us in in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. That's not new information. The internet is changing us. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else to say about that? I don't think so. Okay. I'm I'm keeping old old school training journal in the gym these days. Are you pencil and paper? Get in there. Great. My, are you, are you putting lips. writing down your what you? you know, I wait. 
What you what rate you lifted and everything? Exactly. How many reps? How many reps? Wow. You know what I'm doing? There's a book called Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, uh-huh. which uh, has lots of good reviews on Amazon. I think maybe it's a, a a hit, kind of a you know cultural sort of pop deal. <laughs> Whatever the kids call them these days. Uh, so I got that, and uh, and I've been enjoying it. It's really been good to to lift weights again. I thought I thought I didn't have it in me to do like hour long workouts again. I thought those days were over. Oh, so you're not doing the four hour body approach anymore? No, I did that for a while. Put on weight. It was successful. I was happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just, you know, actually inspired by Erin, my wife. She's been doing a lot of Pilates and all kinds of stuff. So I was like, hey, you know, I can I can do an hour in the gym five days a week. So I'm doing that for now. Great. We'll see. At least like to the, at are least you doing any cruise. cardio at all? No, but the program has cardio. It tells you to do it twice a week, mm-hmm. which to me is just incompatible with trying to put on muscle this guy doesn't seem to think so he said this even works for for hard gainers as they call people like me who don't gain weight easily do an hour of cardio no it's like two or three 25 minute uh high intensity interval trainings per per week that seems to make sense to me no i mean at least in the older school approach of putting on weight you would never burn a calorie if it wasn't going towards the goal of oh we're talking about putting a weight not muscle yeah yeah but when you put on weight, the goal, you hope to put on mostly muscle and not much fat. Right. What, what I tried for my whole college career and failed at was lifting weights and trying to burn. So trying to put on muscle and burn fat at the same time. That's really efficient. So what I have had success with is doing away with anything related to fat burning. Just do the weightlifting part. Eat a ton. And, and you put on muscle and you also put on some fat. Mm-hmm. But that was the only way I could gain weight. So to, to have found a program now where this guy promises that, that hard gainers like me are going to do those things which is supposedly impossible the holy grail put on muscle and lose fat uh is is exciting well you know when you're when you've done this for a few months i cannot wait to see your data and uh and really see if it, it's gonna be an old school works gym book you'll see <laughs> my dad is gonna be my punch in your face because how big i am I'm just gonna... <laughs> you're just yeah i'm never gonna be able to fit in this room anymore i'm gonna eat you yeah <laughs> that'll be your data you're gonna eat me that's not very vegan of you no, that's true. That wouldn't be. <laughs> I'll eat a soy version of you. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, I'd say that is our signal to stop talking. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to this episode. I know the topic of data doesn't make for a, a sexy headline, but uh, I think the hardcore NMA listeners will probably enjoy this one. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Good. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next time with Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons. That's pretty Mogul. cool. Yep, he was just on The Chew, and now he's on No Meat Athlete Radio. Yeah. I'm sure he's not at all disappointed about that. <laughs> I mean, but good. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, should be fun. He's got a new book called Happy Vegan, so we'll be talking about that next episode. Great. All right. See you soon, everyone.